The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, everybody. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. Hi, guys. I hope you're good. You know, when you go into the mall and um, there's always like people selling something in the middle of the mall and there's always those women or men that have that weird (laughs) cream. Like they're like, here, lady, take a sample. So Mary, my guest is on and I'm going to see if Mary's gone through this, too. Hi, Mary. Hi. <laughs> so I'm laughing because I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. So one day, I mean, one day I was walking through the mall and they were like, oh, hello, you beautiful lady. And of course, like anytime somebody tells me I'm beautiful, like you had me at hello. So right. I stop <laughs> and I'm like, and they were like, can we, can we put this on your beautiful skin? And I was like, okay. Like, they're like, it's going to take away wrinkles. It's going to make you look amazing. They go, how old? <laughs> old are you? And I was like, um, and I told my age, I'm not sharing my age. I, everyone knows I'm in my forties, but I'm still not at the exact place where I want to say at which end of the forties. Yeah. I'm in my forties. Let's say that the person said a year older than I actually was. 
So I was like so mad. And and then I like walked away and I was like, thank you. And, you know, I took the sample and I tried to be really, really nice about it. But then like the rest of the day I was stewing and in my head I was like, people always tell me I look younger than my age. How dare them? You know, and I went home and I told my husband, he's like, Megan, get over it. That's their job. They're trying to sell you anti-aging cream. But my point is, I every time I go to the mall, I get like accosted by those people. And now I don't even like know what to say to them. Not to mention the fact when they told me the price of that stuff, it was like $550. They're like, it's $550. But today you get special pricing. It's only $450. I'm like, oh, okay. Bye. Bye. Like it was right. Have you experienced this, Mary? Just let me know. Yes. I have so experienced this and I tend to walk like really close to the stores so I don't get towards the middle now because I don't want to get super close. So I see them and I kind of go out here on the sides, but I've, I purchased one, one time I fell for it. Okay. I was a sucker and I fell for it once and I think it was like $150 and I said, oh, this is really great and all, but like, I don't have $150. Like I have a great skincare line that I really like. So I. I'm not going to spend 100 Like, I don't even know what this is. And they said, okay, well, how about $50? It's so like, funny. Oh, well, if you can just change the price, like, how about $20? And he's like, okay. <gasps> and I was like, what? And so I hand, you know, he swiped my card. Who knows if he's, I mean, he didn't obviously steal from me, but yeah. <laughs> he swiped my card. I, it was $20. I took it home. It was crap. I mean, yeah. sadly. And I, I don't even remember what it was, but I didn't feel so bad. But who charges $150 and then... Like, how much are they paying for it? I don't know. It's before some, they sell it to us. It's some to be able really to give it to weird, me for twenty dollars. It's some we- really weird scheme, and I feel like they—they <clears> they, <throat> very weird. They target like it's the same thing as when you go to the grocery store, and there's the people that are like sitting outside of Trader <laughs> Joe's, and they're like, "Hello, like, can you please buy a candy bar for young children?" Oh. And then you're like, yes. and "Now I'm so like with all these scams, I'm." I'm like, you are not really selling candy bars for young children. Where is that money actually going? You know, so right. And where did the candy bars come from? Uh, Yeah. And how long were those candy bars sitting on a shelf? That's a whole nother conversation. But I am going to start the show. So, everyone, I am lucky enough to have Mary Herbert on my show today. Um, Mary and I met. I don't even remember, actually, Mary, how we met. Did we meet on Clubhouse? Yeah. We met on Clubhouse. Okay, so we've kind of been in touch. And hello, Mary. Mm -hmm. How are you? Good. You're good? Of course. You look so pretty. I love your beautiful curled hair. look. Yeah, it's pandemic. I think I've done this three times in the last year. So I know you're very special. And I did it for you. Thank you, Mary. It's (laughs) I I joke about that, too. I say now, like when I go out, I'm like a combination of like a drag queen and like, you know, like I just put too much makeup on and really want to like judge the hair and, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. show a little bit more booby while I still have boobies that are decent, (laughs) you know? So, um, but thank you so much for coming on my show. Um, we are going to talk about your story and before we start, I just want to say Mary's story is about her experience with adoption 
And I wanted to have Mary come on because everybody has a different experience about adoption. Some people have had really great experiences and some people haven't. And so like every other show I do, this is an opinion of one of my guests. This is something, this is their own story to share. And I find her story very, very interesting. So that's why I brought her on the show. So thank you again, Mary. You're welcome. I'm excited to be here. Well, thank you. So we are just going to start and talk about um, your very, very, like your memories that you don't even remember being a baby and getting adopted and about your birth parents. So why don't we start with that? Yeah, so I um, am one of two. My brother is also adopted and we're not blood Related, We're both adopted from different biological families. Um, we were adopted from an agency, and we grew up knowing we were adopted. So it was not a big deal. We had a great home life. We traveled. We went to fancy schools. We, The two of us both had kind of learning problems. School was really hard, so we had tutors. I mean, we had a great childhood. There was nothing, um, you know, I don't have, like, big complaints. However... Being adopted is something that you don't really think about when you're a kid unless you do kind of, again, this is all my opinion, um, but if you have like struggles and things, we just didn't have a reason to think of the adoption, right, when we were a kid. It was pretty smooth sailing. Um, And I was given up as an infant, so domestic infant adoption is what they call you. Uh, (laughs) We all kind of have titles when it comes to our Uh, stories. We all sort of have labels. And so I'm a a domestic infant adoptee is sort of how I'm labeled. Okay. And where, and and uh, where did you, where are you, where did you grow up? um, I grew up in Northern Virginia, um, which is where I am still raising my family. Now I have four kids and uh, I never left, you know, I went to college in Virginia. I went to boarding school in Virginia and shout just, out boarding school. I guess school. I just love it here. Yeah, shout, shout out. out boarding school. I mean, school. because here's the thing. I also went to boarding school and we've talked about it. Um, I'm, yeah. fr- I'm from the Washington, D.C. area, Potomac, Maryland yeah. as well. It's such an incredible place, um, Northern Virginia, D.C., Maryland, to raise yeah. a family and grow up. And then we both share going to all girls boarding school. Um, right. I also, I, I don't think I've actually ever talked about this on the podcast before, but I also was diagnosed with a learning disability in um, mm-hmm. eighth grade. So I, I had, I been was diagnosed with ADD. So just like yep, you, me too. I had a harder time. Uh, I was never the learning. best student. You know, it, everything yeah. took me, took me longer. Forever. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I can relate with that. But going back to um, you, you were talking about what your actual adoption title is called. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Is that the most common? Because I don't you know, when you and I first started um, talking, I was like, I never even really thought about this or knew that there were different adopt I mean I knew you yeah. know that there's different ways to adopt but I didn't know like kind of the backstory and that's why I find it so interesting so do you mind kind of going into that like what your your adoption is called compared to the other ones sure yeah so um different decades kind of have different labels like there was the 60s scoop I'm sort of the 80s uh I was an 80 
Well, I won't tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I was, yeah. I was a child the 80s, of the 80s, um, too. Yeah. Yeah, child of the 80s. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I was adopted through a, an agency, a private agency. Um, you can be adopted through uh, a lawyer, you know, where the mother has the child. She kind of takes the child home, and then you, you make a contract with a private lawyer. I've seen that done. Um you can go into foster care if you don't have, you know, if it wasn't really a plan and all of a sudden you want to put your baby up and, and there's no plan. Mine was a pretty strategic plan. So my mother got pregnant when I was, when she was 16 and she decided this is what she was going to do. So I actually just did a post today on Instagram. She, um, when I first spoke to her, she explained to me that she was sent off to kind of like a boarding school. Um, but it was for unwed mothers. And was that, that was she, very common back then, wasn't it? That was super common, super common. And, you know, someone wrote a, a, a comment on my, on my post today that said, you know, this was happening all over the place. This wasn't just in the U S like this was something that happened in other countries too, where there's sort of places where you send these girls as they're getting bigger, you know, where you don't, your family doesn't want other people to know or whatever. And, and you kind of get shipped off to these little little homes for the last two or three months of your pregnancy. And then you have the baby and you return to your life and, and you just kind of keep going. I mean, it is bizarre. It like, is can so you strange. imagine, cause I know you're a mom of four and they're, yeah. and they're your by blood, your children. Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine, um, giving, I mean, it's such a, I, I, I it's so complicated because 16 years old, I mean, you're so yeah. young. I mean, you're a child. You're 16. still a child. But then mm-hmm. to be like put, a, like sent away by your parents to a place, like the amount of trauma that your yeah. birth mother or these girls have to go through and then to actually like part with a human being, you know, is just, I don't think people really can ever really understand that, you know, what that kind of pain would be like. Um, but going, right. going back, back to your own story, you said, you kind of said you were, um, you know, had a pretty happy childhood. You've, I'm assuming great, great adopt your parents, uh, your adopted parents are. Yeah. There was no like traumatic, uh, you know, you do hear stories and you run into people that unfortunately were put in a home that shouldn't have adopted a child or didn't have the resources that they thought they did or, or a family member adopts you and that wasn't the right course. I mean, unfortunately, not every adoption is a happy, you know, it's it's almost glamorized sometimes, which is so frustrating because, oh, you've adopted a child like you're such a saint. This is so wonderful. Mm-hmm. You've saved this child. And there's a whole bunch of adoptees that that really bothers, yeah. you know, like you've taken me away from my mother and put me in a family and it didn't work. Like, who's saving who? Like, wh- where's the loss? That's everybody's loss. You know, I mean, it's so complicated. And when you're not, I call like some adoptees, like I was talking to one this morning, we kind of call it the secret club. Like, you're kind of thrown into this club of adoptees where it wasn't your choice. I mean, older adoptions are a little bit different. But as an infant adoptee, like you, there's no right. You don't sign away to another family. Like, that's a, a path that was chosen for you. And I mean, it's so interesting. I didn't understand any of it until I was about, uh, well, I started searching for her when I was about 18, but 
this sort of um, aha moment that happened to me just recently happened to me a few months ago. And um, the adoption world calls it coming out of the fog, which is like you've lived your life. You had this great childhood. You you're adopted. So what? Big deal. And then all of a sudden someone shows you a video or someone reads you a book or a passage or you kind of talk to an adoptee that's out of this fog and all of a sudden your brain kind of explodes and you're like, wait a minute, this was kind of a big deal. Yeah. Let me, and let me ask you, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. But, um, no, you're fine. So, so how were your, your adoptive parents about you at the age of 18 saying, I know every parent, uh, every parent is different with this. How were they, how, what was your own experience with saying, um, I want to find my birth mother? What was that like? Yeah. I mean, they always said, we're super supportive. How can we help you? Um, I think they meant it, but I also think it was a little bit of lip service because that's the right thing to say to a child who wants to know about their DNA and wants to know where they came from. I think um, a little bit of both. I know they would have supported me and, and let me and how can we help you? And we did. When I turned 18, they handed me a file that had, you know, the non-identifying information um, in it, which all adoptees or most adoptees come with. You kind of come with a little file that tells you about your mom and she was five, six and she had blonde hair, you know, no names, no nothing in, in cases like mine, which was a closed adoption, which essentially is the birth mother signs away her rights and essentially is nowhere to be found unless intentionally contacted through the agency. So there's no, here's a letter when you're ready. Here's, it's just very uh, cut and dry, you know? Um, so my parents handed me a folder when I was 18 and I remember holding that folder and it was kind of a big moment for them, I think, where they were like, are you ready? And I'm like, please just hand me the folder. Like, I just need to go upstairs and read the folder. Like I need to know something, you know, about myself. Um, and shortly after that, we scheduled a meeting with the agency where we, we tried to reach out and she just wasn't ready. Um, and that was kind of, that was kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, how did that feel knowing, knowing yeah, that, you know, that, yeah, that must've been difficult. Yeah. That was kind of the first, um, as you kind of unfold my story, that was probably the first of the secondary rejections. So that's a common term that is used in the adoption world also a secondary rejection. So all of us had rejection as we were given up for adoption. That's the very first. And then anytime you reach out to someone and they're like, no, thank you. Or, you know, done deal or nope, or I'm not answering my phone or whatever. Those are all extra rejections. And as an adoptee, that's really hard to understand because like you gave me up, like I haven't done anything wrong. You know, why wouldn't you want to know who I am? Like I'm your flesh and blood. Like I, I don't, I don't really understand. And I mean, here's the positive and the good news. And I, I really want to say this before we get too far into it, that um, adoptions now, like one of the reasons I tell my story and I'm, I'm sort of trying to use my voice and my story for good is because um, the education around adoption now has come so far from the 80s. Um, so there are still a huge chunk of kids that were adopted in the 80s and even into the 90s that didn't have the education and the resources that they do now. And adoptions now, I think, um, I mean, I, I haven't adopted a child, so I'm not speaking from experience. But from what I see, a lot more of them are open. The parents are given a lot of resources on how to speak to your child because your child is adopted. 
um, biological mothers are much more involved in the adoption and um, and the future. You know, if it's an open adoption, they sort of have have a say. I mean, it's I think it's a lot more. So it's come more it's come a long way. Which it's it, come a long way. Which it should. Which is it should it needs to. Um, yeah, and there's think, still a lot more. Don't you think too that that probably? I mean. There was probably so many, like the religious shame of the set, like 60s, 70s and 80s where, you know, you were being told, you know, you can't give up your child. You need to like go away to some place and have the baby and then give it up. So it's that probably has evolved as well because people know that, you know, there's it's a different time. That's traumatic. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's not the right thing to do. It's just not. And, you know, so now you have this group of people that are in their 30s and 40s and, you know, 50s and and on because it's come a long way. But you have all of us that are kind of scrambling, like with some self-identity problem, you know, like not problems, but with some self-identity problems. Confusion, like we don't really know who we are. Where do we belong? All of a sudden, if we do find our biological family, all of a sudden we have the the access and the avenue to to be somebody else, and that's kind of a weird phenomena, also. Like, but wait, I'm this person. But wait, was I supposed to be that person? You know, it's you're given options that people that aren't adopted don't don't have. You know, when you have your own children too. I mean. That, that, I mean, gosh, I could do a whole podcast about having your own children because that's the first person that that's biologically related to you that you know ever. Did you get your and that health information? You. I'm sorry to interrupt. Did you? No, that's, see, you're that's fine. another thing is um, I know just doing the little, the research that I did do is that, like you said, there's so much more information given. But back then, if it was a closed adoption, yeah. How would you have access to know like, oh, diabetes runs in the family or, you know, like cancer runs in the family where you, you were not given any of that information, I'm assuming? So there is a, a sheet that they fill out and they they're supposed to, you know, write what they know. But unfortunately, my mom was adopted also. And so my health records were of a 16 year old. Like she didn't know what her mom, I mean, how much happens to a 16 year old? Like there's not very much to report, you know, like, I mean, unless you have some horrible childhood cancer or something, like what, what do you put down? I mean, for goodness sakes, like 16 year olds sometimes don't even have their periods yet, you know, and she's having a baby. Like there's not a lot of medical history that she could provide me because she didn't have it because she was adopted. But there is some, some adoptees have a lot of medical information and, some some have none. I mean, it just kind of depends on on what happens. I didn't have very much because I just had her. You know, yeah. there was no what, history. What about um, going back to the age of 18 and having that piece of paper and going up to your room? Was that mm-hmm. really like what was that feeling like? Was that a, were you excited? Did it make you more sad? Did you close like did you? Closed down. I, I don't know if closed down is the word, but shut down even more. What happened yeah. with with that piece of it? Um, I would probably say uh, that was the beginning of like revving up my engine for the next, uh, you know, fifteen years, twelve years of f- 
powering through obstacles to try to find her. I mean, I opened that folder. I remember staring at the line that had no name on it. And I'm like, if I stared at hard enough, her name is going to pop up. I know it. You know, like, I just have to look at it long enough. Like, maybe I can see through the whiteout. I mean, it's a photocopy. You can't see anything. You know, nothing was handwritten. It was all in, like, a typewriter. And, you know, I'm looking at it, looking at it. And I'm trying to figure out, well, how can I, how can I search? How can I get there? And at 18, your parents still kind of run the roost. At least mine did. I, you know, we lived at home and go to college, so we did, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And there's yeah, paying for you know, stuff and yeah. Right. Right. And I, you know, I'm so appreciative here. There's, there's a lot of me that probably didn't ask and wasn't quite as verbal because we were given a lot and we were really lucky and, and I didn't have to, you know, work for college and I was given that. And I think, um, you know, I may not have brought it up as much as I really wanted it to, you know, it was stifled down because, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't something I had a problem with. I needed to know who she was, but at that point there was no trauma associated with adoption. I never heard the word trauma associated with adoption until like three months ago. And all it's of a sudden, it's so I'm interesting like, that it's not even something that you even being an outsider no, that I ever, you even, don't ever, I never thought right. about this until you and I started talking and then I started to really think about it. And it does make sense. I mean, trauma, it comes in all different forms. So, so I'm sh- there's a lot of people that have been adopted and maybe they've come to peace with it. It makes sense mm-hmm. that I would say a very high majority of people would not be at peace with it, would always wonder yeah. somewhere we're human beings. Where are we from? Right. What is my DNA? Right. What was my dad like? What was my mom like? I mean, we're human. We want to know these things. Do I have my mom's nose? Do I look like my dad? You know, so we all as people want to know those things. Um, It should be something that's that is talked about more because just being like a regular, you know, girl that's walking the streets. I sound like I'm a hooker. I don't walk. I'm not a hooker. I don't walk the streets. Um, no, I do. But you don't. I do walk the like, streets. But people not for take money. advantage yeah. of knowing themselves. Yeah. You know, like that's just that's just a given. You just know who you are. And and some people don't, you know, so and you don't think about that because you're one that does. Yeah. So I do like one of the reasons I talk and and I'm writing this book is so so people are educated a little bit more and and know how to talk to an adoptee and and, you know, all the people that are adopting children, like I pat you on the back, but this is going to be really hard. Like, please educate yourself as much as you possibly can. And like, if I can help you by telling you my story about, you know, my birthday is really hard. I don't love my birthday. Or, you know, when I graduated, I wondered if my mom somehow knew, my biological mom somehow knew, and if she would have been proud. I mean, these thoughts are in our heads, but as I, an you're adoptee. You're making me cry. That is, I'm sorry. I'm a, an emotional person. No, you're but fine. I, but these I are understand. things people don't think about. Yeah. Um, what? Tell me, tell me what happened when you actually, like, not to skip ahead, but you. you no, it's you, fine. Tell me what happened when you actually met your birth mom. And what was that like? And how did that happen? Yeah. So um, I searched. I went through the agency as best I could. Um as a like 20 year old, we really tried to do it the right way, which the agency tells you, please come through us. Like, this is how you're supposed to do it. But she was putting up walls. She did not respond to the agency. There was nothing. So I went ahead and went to college and, um, 
I started thinking about it more as graduation kind of approached. It was my senior year. Um, and then I met my husband, um, not, not in college, but I met my husband. I got married actually before I was done with school and we started thinking about, um, you got married having young. babies. You got married young. Wow. <laughs> Let's see how I got married at 23. That's so. really young. Yeah. Um, yeah. Still, yeah. And, and still and there together, was some, still together. Still together. Yay. That's <laughs> still awesome. together. Yay. Yeah. 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 Still together. We we kind of met and six months later we're engaged and it just it was very quick and we just knew and it was wonderful. And so now we have four kids and it's it's crazy. But as these big events kind of come up where you get married and you graduate, you know, those are those things kind of bring up adoption because these are life events. These are something big is changing in my life. And so the validation, the acceptance from the person that birthed you, it's just sits here and you just think about it. You know, it sits in the back of your mind as what would they think? Like, is this okay? Like, would they be, not that I wasn't getting it from my parents, but there is something about that primal instinct of needing to know, uh, you know, she gave me up. Am I good enough now? You know, like, I don't, I don't know why she gave me up except that she was too young, but like, is this okay? Is this good enough? So each of these events when I got married, um, so I really started to search on my own because the agency wasn't helpful. Unfortunately, um, they tried their best, but I started searching by myself and, um, it's I kind of, across... it's kind of like doing detective work, right? You're like a little, oh, yeah. you're like a detective. I mean, also when you, yeah. I, you, I just wanted to touch on something you said, um, mm-hmm. it's, you have major abandonment issues, obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yes. I understand I mean, that. I, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, you know, in a different ways, I, I have abandonment issues. Um, but that's, that's like significant, like feeling those feelings that it's got to be really difficult to deal with. So, so then what happened, um, once yeah, you were well, married and. So I was married and we started thinking about having our own. And I said, I have to know what pregnancy is like. Like, since I was about seven years old, I have wanted a family. People ask, do you want to be a fireman? Do you want to be a vet? What do you want to be? And I said, I want to be a mom. That's all I want to do. I want to have four kids. And like, hello, it makes sense. I'm adopted. Like, of course, I want a big family of my own. Like, you know, and I didn't make that connection until just recently, but I just always wanted this family. And, um, so I needed to know about pregnancy and, and my adopted mom couldn't tell me cause she couldn't have kids. And so, you know, here we go, here we go. It's time to start searching again. And so I went out on my own and there are sites that you can search now. And this was back, gosh, in, 2003, 2004. And the internet has come a long way. Things are a little bit more organized, but I spent hours and hours. I was working at this job that I was in the front desk and I answered phones, but there was some downtime that I could search on the computer. And, and I went through thousands of ads of people looking for their children. I mean, it's devastating. My child was taken from me. Uh, you know, I didn't mean to give her up or, I mean, I just, I would just scroll and scroll and scroll and I'm looking for my birthday. Cause the only thing I have is my birthday and where I was born. And so a lot of them say like looking for a female, uh, you know, born on this date in this town. And I just for days scrolled and scrolled and scrolled. Now it's very organized. Now you can type in your birthday in a site and it'll pop up if it's there before it wasn't like that. 
And, and sure enough, I came across an ad that said, you know, I'm looking for a little girl and I gave her up for adoption and she was born in Washington, DC. And I remember like grabbing the computer and being like, oh my God, that is me. Someone is looking for me. I mean, I was in the office and I put my hands around the computer and went, oh my God, like I have found her. And the reason I knew it was her was because I was born in DC and like DC is about this big, you know, it wasn't like California. Yeah. Um, DC is teeny. And I figured there. Yeah. DC is teeny. Yeah. 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 And I figured not a lot of babies were given up for adoption on my birthday in DC, you know, but the key was she also had placed, I mean, I, I joke to say it like this, but she also placed an ad looking for her own birth mother. And I knew that was her because she was also adopted. So I had those two pieces and sure enough, there was a name there and, and an email address. And so I just reached out and I just said, I think I'm who you're looking for. And she immediately emailed me back and with, you know, a phone number. And so we had a conversation that night. What um, age were it you? It was great. What age were you? I was 24. I was 24. Okay. Because I had my I had my daughter at 25. And so we, had, we were married. We had bought a, this other house. And so I was 24. I had found her. We had a conversation on the phone. And it was about an hour and a half. And I knew myself well enough to have a notebook and a pencil. And I'm a really good note taker. Like I can write faster than a jackrabbit. I mean, I'm so fast. And so everything I asked her, my memory is crap. I mean, it's such crap. It's always been crap. I have no memory of anything. So I knew, get ready, because this could be the only time you talk to her. And you just don't know what's going to happen. She could hang up. She could change her mind. So I had a, I had a notebook. We spoke for an hour and a half. And I just wrote, 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 you know, writing, writing, writing. And a few times I'm like, can you just stop for a minute? Like, I have to, I have to write. Just give me a second. I got to write everything down. And we got off the phone and she said, this is so wonderful. Like, I'm so glad you found me. You know, I, I don't have a daughter. I have a son. So I knew I had a half brother. And she said, I just can't believe it. You know, this is so beautiful. And I just can't wait to be friends. And this is so great. And she's like, I'll call you. I'll call you later. I have to go pick up my son from school. And I said, okay, great. No problem. And we got off the phone and I remember like tucking my husband into bed. I'm like, she's going to call me. So I need to like tuck you in so I can be by myself. I'm super independent with my adoption story. I don't involve my husband or my parents or my friends. I just do it. I just do it by myself. I've always been like that. So I remember tucking him in and I'm like, she's going to call. I'll be back, you know, and she didn't call. And so I, I called her and just kind of left a message like, Hey, maybe, maybe I was supposed to call you, you know, maybe it was a mistake. And, um, and she didn't pick up. And the next day I called again. And so essentially what has happened here is that was enough for her. That's all she needed. And she disappeared for eight years. God, um, Mary, that must and, have been so <laughs> awful. That must you know, have been so awful to deal with. Like it was like an additional layer of, yeah. of like loss. Like, just tell me, yeah. just tell me it's too much. It's kind of you know? like, and then, it's kind of like going out, like in a, being in a relationship, like dating someone thinking the relationship's going great and then finding yeah. out you're just not that into me where you're like, wow, like I thought, you know, like, but it's your, it's your flesh and blood. Mom. Yeah. So it must have been hard. So, you know, it was, 
But I ended up getting pregnant a couple weeks later and started my life with my husband. And we had four babies in a row. Um, every two years, we had another baby. And oh, my so God. We, You're yeah, brave. So we had, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think the Lord was very good to me and, and knew I had been waiting since I was seven years old to have those four kids. So he just delivered and we had four kids. And um, I love, you know, that. Mother's I love Day, that you said you wanted four kids. Because oh yeah, I, I was very two girls and two boys, and very that's what you have plan. That's what you have. That's what I have. <gasps> that's yeah. amazing. So I always <laughs> wanted to have two girls, two girls, uh-huh. and I got my two girls. I think sometimes yeah. when people have gone through, because I'm really spiritual, I talk about it a lot. Um, gone mm-hmm. through trauma or something. I do believe that God sends you the things that you know, like like going through loss or whatever it is, or like your, your own trauma with the feelings that he was like, he, she, God sends you this, this amazing gift, you know, and it's not, life's never going to be easy. We're all going to go through, like your story was one of the adoption story that people maybe won't even understand unless they're in your shoes but right. I just know I love hearing that because I think that's a really amazing little miracle. Yeah, you know, I, and I don't take it for granted. I know we're very, very lucky. And I know I have friends that have gone through, you know, not being able to have babies and and thinking about adoption. And, you know, until a few months ago, I was like, that's a great idea. Like adopted. I'm adopted. Like I, I turned out OK. This is so great. And. And not that I'm against it now. It's just, please understand it before you do it. Um, And listen to stories like mine and understand what adults feel like as adoptees. Because when you adopt a child, it's not just dealing with a child that's not yours at the beginning. I mean, you have to be able to talk about it with them as they get older and understand it. I love that you're putting it out there, not saying that there's anything wrong. Because there are so many, I know so many women um, you know, that like could like would have given anything like I went I ran into some fertility issues between my two kids. Yeah. And so Sophie, my oldest, is 11. I got pregnant very easily with her. And then mm-hmm. with Ella, we there my daughters are four years apart. And I remember yeah. I, I would go to the fertility clinic and I would walk in with my stroller because I or. Sophie was still in a stroller because she was like, what, three, I guess. And I went went through this period where I was having like IUIs and it wasn't working for me. And I would walk into this this room and the women would like glare at me because I already had my own baby. And yeah, secondary infertility is a yeah. thing. And so you're just that like second one. Yeah. You're just like sitting there and I would just sit there and be like, please, God, like, please let me have another baby. And then it did. It took us. And then the interesting thing with me is it was all stress related because I was in a very high stress sales job. And um, I ended up getting pregnant on my own with um, with acupuncture. Oh, your second. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. With acupuncture. Um and uh, so we, I, I can understand the journey for people that can't have their own babies and how horribly painful that is just to want to be a mom, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and so adoption is such an amazing gift for the parents, but it's so important for them to understand what it's like 
you know, because I'm sure your parents just like tried and tried to have you and your brother and they wouldn't understand the amount of pain that you would be going through in your own life because they gave you everything. They sent you to boarding best schools. You grew up in an affluent area, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that we're not all going to question as people like, who am I? Where am I from? So really briefly, can what happened that she reached out to you eight years later. Did she reach out to you or did you um, find her So, <laughs> well, I would say twice a year or anytime I had a kid or Christmas, you know, I would say it averaged about twice a year. I'd send a text and just be like, I hope you're okay. You know, there was never any anger. I just, I mean, I had four kids to raise. Like I was super busy, but it always, you know, if you watch Lifetime, all the Lifetime movies about adoption or you know, something comes up. I mean, for goodness sakes, this is us right now. That show that's on TV right now. I mean, that like triggers you. I think I'm the because... only person on the planet that has oh not my seen gosh. this. <laughs> but I will, I will tell well, you that my husband. It's super triggering. My husband has done a million <laughs> Lifetime movies. So I'm going to have to try and. I, yeah, they're all there. That's very Lifetime. Those movies. Yeah. I, I understand. Yeah. yeah. So I about twice a year sent a text and just kind of said like, I hope you're okay. You know, I'm here if you're ready. Um, you know, I had a baby, (laughs) like anything to maybe spur some conversation. And I hope people don't think of that as, um, you know, like stalkery. I mean, I just, I just wanted her to know what was going on in my life. I mean, that maybe sounds strange to some people, but it's just this like desire to have her acceptance is really what it is. And, so I reached out and I just picked up the phone one day and I just called her and I had never done that before. And I just was like, you know what, what do I have to lose? I haven't spoken to her in eight years. What do I have to lose? So I picked up the phone and I called her and she answered the phone. And I just said, this is Mary, you know, like, hi. And, and you could hear, I mean, the gasp in her voice, like, oh. And I'm like, oh, you didn't mean to pick up the phone. You know, like I could tell that she was very surprised, but she was cordial and we had a conversation and I just said, hey, I know you're living, you know, up north and and I'm going to be kind of near you next week or in two weeks. I don't remember the time frame, but next month. And if you're up to it, like I'd really love to meet you and, you know, I'm in a good place. And if you're in a good place and this is a good fit, like I'd love to do that. And she just thought that was the greatest idea ever. And so I went and got my hair done and I brought a friend with me because this was a big moment I had thought about forever and, um, you know, picked out an outfit. I had my baby cause I was still nursing my baby, my fourth baby. And my girlfriend had a baby 10 days before me. And so she had her baby. And so we kind of traveled up by train with our babies and we were ready. And, uh, I waited and she didn't come. <sighs> And I just, you know, I couldn't figure it out. I called her and I texted her and I said, like, do you need me to come to you? Are you having a problem? Like, are you sick? Like, how can I help you? Like, how can I be there? How, like, do you need me to come pick you up? Or if you changed your mind, like, that's okay. Like, I'm here for you. And nothing, nothing. Like, I don't know what happened to her. So she could be dead. Like, I don't know. I don't know what happened to her. Um, so I went home and that's, for the first that's time, another layer, by the way. So that was like, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll just say another that. rejection, yeah, another, another rejection. rejection from her. Yeah. And this time it wasn't like, 
not answering a text. I mean, I had misplaced myself. Like I had gone to another town. You like, must have I been brought pissed. Support. You must have been mad. Well, I have to tell you, I came home and it was the first time in my entire life that I had a little bit of anger and I just couldn't figure it out. Like that anger was super short lived, but, but it was there. I would say I spent a day kind of stirring, like, how could she, how could she? And then, you know, I took a step back and per the usual, like people pleasing person that I am, I kind of went, well, maybe she had a hard time. Like, you know, like I fell back into the trap of it's okay. She's not ready. And, and it's not a trap. Like, she really wasn't. But I think she could have handled it a little bit better and just kind of let me know. Or or say when, you know, she accidentally picked up the phone. Like, I'm just not ready. You know, something to that extent. So, so then what happened? Did she yeah. follow up with you and say she was sorry or nothing? No, nothing. Nothing. So um, another two years went by and the pandemic started. Uh, you know, January, February, we were like kind of weird. People were like opening doors, like in their shirts, you know, like not wanting mm-hmm. to touch door handles. And the world was kind of getting strange. And my husband and I, we had a quick date night, like before restaurants started shutting down. And, you know, we're like, we better squeeze one more in, you know, they're getting ready to shut stuff down. And I was sitting at a table and I got a text from her number. And this was two years later. Um, and almost, almost to the day, actually, Uh, this was happening. And I kind of knew that anniversary was coming up like, oh, man, I almost met her, you know, Uh, because you hold on to things like that also, like what ifs. And and the text was not from her. It was from her significant other. And they're not married, which is why I say significant other, but her live in, you know, boyfriend or whatever partner, partner. Sorry. Yeah. Um, And he just said, you know, hey, Mary, this is so-and-so. And and I just wanted to let you know she hasn't answered you because she's really sick. And I kind of like scrolled back and was like, oh, I guess I texted her a couple weeks ago just to be like, how are you? You know, the typical twice a year sort of. And it had been a few weeks. And typically I just erase those texts the next day because I don't want to look at them because she didn't answer. But I had kind of left that one there. And so I looked and my first thought was like, you sweet man, she never answers me. Like, I appreciate you answering for her, but she never answers me. So here we go. Like, what's going on? And I immediately went into mom mode. What do you mean she's sick? What does she need? How can I help her? Like, how sick are we talking? Can I see her? can I pray for her? What can I do? You know, very, like I jumped onto the caregiver mode and this woman, like she, like, I don't know her. Right. I mean, we've had two conversations. She stood me up and, and immediately I dove into like, tell me more. Like I want to know. And she said, well, she's really, really sick. And we are putting her on a helicopter in about 15 minutes. And I'm just sitting here looking at her phone and saw your message. And we've got to fly her to another hospital because She's not going to make it in our little podunk, uh, you know, town hospital. So we got to get her to like a university and, and, and make sure she can live. And I'm like, okay, um, where is she? Like, how, how can I help? And he said, well, I'll keep you updated. So she made it to the hospital and she um, recovered about two or three weeks later. And over the next two or three weeks, I got to know her through her partner, you know, what she was like. Uh, we became very close because I asked questions and he was very responsive and sent me photographs. And, you know, I got to know her, but she's in a coma. So I didn't get to talk to her. She's out. And he kind of walked me through her illnesses, but 
essentially she was intubated and she had a lot of tubes in her, a lot of monitors, you know, she was bleeding in a couple of different areas. I mean, she was really, really sick. And, um, and one day he called and said, you know, we've extubated her. Like we took the tube out and she's kind of coming out of this, but she had been in the hospital for almost 60 days at that point. So she went into the hospital and he finally called and said, she's coming out of it. And I've let her know that, um, you know, you've been praying for her and you're kind of in my life. And so you could be in her life and, and she's, you know, nodded. Okay. Or whatever response she could give him. And, uh, you know, she had been alone. We were in this pandemic. He couldn't sit with her. She was by herself and in another state, in another hospital and just by herself. And that broke my heart because I couldn't be there and he couldn't be there. Um, so she woke up and finally one day he said, she'd like to talk to you. And I said, great. She's in a hospital. She can't go anywhere. I'll call the hospital phone. Like, all of a sudden I had access to her and I didn't have to try. Like it just fell into my lap. Um, and so I called her and she, again, very cordial, very, this is so wonderful. Thank you so much for praying for me. This is just, you know, amazing. Now she's really sick. So she's a little delirious. She's a little confused, but she knows who I am. She knows I'm her daughter. She knows she gave me up for adoption, you know, Um, I didn't ask her any questions about my adoption because she wasn't quite with it. I just said, what can I do for you? Like, how, how can I make you feel better? I know you're in a hospital. I can't run up there, but can I send you something? Can I like, what can I do? And she just said, you know, I just want to get out of this hospital. And it took about another two weeks and, uh, they moved her back to her little small town hospital. She started getting better. Um, and I spent two weeks talking to her two or three times a day. Um, because I I could, I mean, it was amazing. I could, and I remember her asking me once, how was your daughter's birthday? And I remember like that conversation so clearly because the first time she asked me about something about my life and I, you know, I kind of took a moment to say like, oh my God, thank you for asking because she had never, she never cared what I was doing. I mean, maybe she did, but she hadn't, you know, talked to me about it. She, so pro- one day, she probably put it into a place to protect herself, right? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. As as had I, right? Yeah. Like, don't we protect ourselves from from the fears of the unknown? And 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 one day her partner called and said, Guess who I have in the car? And I'm like, Well, I'm hoping you're about to tell me it's her, you know? And and he said, Well, she's in the car, we're going home. And I remember this feeling of oh my God, like now what? Like I was so thankful in that moment for the pandemic because she couldn't just come and see me. And I couldn't race up to her. Like we needed to chill for a minute because we had kind of rushed into this, but she has closed the door a few times before. Mm -hmm. So I called her the day after she was home and she didn't answer the phone. And I'm like, I can't. I like, here we go again. You know, I called the next day. She didn't answer her phone again. And I finally picked up the phone and I called the partner because I, I, he no longer needed to be involved. But at this point, I called him back and I said, what's going on? And he said, well, she's back in the hospital. And, you know, she was only home a day and we had to put her back in the hospital. And it doesn't look great. And I'm like, oh, my God, like I just got to know her. Like now I love her. Like now she's real. Now I want to meet her now, you know. 
everything that had happened had just been, it's gone. It's water under the bridge. Like I don't harp on anything, but now I care for this woman. And I've kind of been through this health crisis she had with her by her side. You know, she thanked me every conversation we had in the hospital. She thanked me for calling every single one, you know, thank you so much for caring to call me again. Um, and so he called me one day and said, like, we're moving her to hospice and, you know, it doesn't look good, but I'd like to put you on the family list because you're family. And if you'd like to come up and see her, we'll make sure that you can do that. Because again, with pandemic, I didn't even own a mask yet. You know, we were just still tucked in our house. Like we weren't ready. I wasn't ready to go to a hospital. My husband kind of looked at me like, let's weigh our options here. Like this could be you know, harmful to others if you go to a hospital and everyone's exposed. And, you know, hospitals at that point couldn't have, like, they couldn't find gloves or masks. Yeah. Like, everything was a shortage. Yeah. And I just said, are you kidding me? Like, I have to go. I don't, you know. And she she had been awake that morning and I got up there around 10 and she was asleep. And I stayed for like six or seven hours and she never woke up. And I sat there. I was afraid the first couple of hours, you know, like this part's always the worst. But Yeah, it's okay. You know, I was afraid. I know this is probably really like, emotional for you. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, my reaction was probably, I think most would have reacted. But to me, I had never seen someone in hospital. Well, this was the second person I guess I had seen, but I had never seen her ever. So... I was saying hello to her and goodbye to her in the same day. Like, like I can't even comprehend that. And, and to fast forward even more this year on mother's day, just a few weeks ago, my autopilot kicked in the night before mother's day. And I was like, I wonder if she's going to call. I wonder, you know, like if she's thinking about me and my husband was like, you know, like, you know, she passed away. Right. And I'm like, Oh my God, I forgot. Yeah, because you just I've lived so long with that. Like, what if is she, you know, it's Mother's Day. And so I went up, I saw her. She never woke up um, and she lived another 13 days in hospice and never spoke again. Um, I got to know her son. He came and visited while I was there. And so every night he would go and visit his mom from like five to 7 PM and he would get there and he would text me and he'd be like, okay, I'm with her. What do you want to talk about? And the two of us just got to know each other. I'd cook dinner and talk to my kids and I'd be texting him and, and, you know, got to know her a little bit through him. And then on day 10, I opened up my email and had a match on my DNA, which I had done a couple of weeks prior And I called my little search angel who search angels, a term they are people that help adoptees understand what the heck DNA tests tell you. And she said, Oh my God, you have to look at this, open your email. You won't believe this. Cause I had her hooked to my account so she could kind of walk me through it. And, and sure enough, there was a sister, a full sister. And I said, this must be a mistake. Like I'm talking to my half brother right now. And she said, it's not a mistake. And so there was an email. And so I emailed this person and she emailed me back and she's like, well, were you born on this date? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How do you know that? That's my birthday. And she's like, we are in fact sisters, but like, I'll get back to you like tomorrow. I'm like walking into a meeting and I'm like, what? 
And so she... I don't even know um, what to say, right? I'm like like in shock right now. Like, this is like a movie. I know. This is like a blockbuster movie. (laughs) So, well, just wait. Wait a minute. Okay. I'm like literally on... Like, I just almost got up off of my chair and was like, what is happening? Okay. Yeah. So I have this sister... And she sends me an email and she's like, I know these emails are hard to get. And like, I wanted to get back to you. You know, it looks like we are siblings, um, but I really don't have a a chance right now to give you all the information I have. I'll get it to you as soon as I can. So I called up my half brother and I just said, "Uh, guess what? (laughs) You're not only not an only child, you now have me, but there's somebody else. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I guess she gave up another baby for adoption. And he's like, what? And my half brother, God bless him. He's 18 years old. Like he doesn't know what's going on. And so I told him, I looked her up. I sent him a picture. Sure enough, you know, the resemblance is there and, but nobody knew. What is the age difference? 17 months after me. Same, same dad, same, same dad. So you're Mm -hmm. wow. 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 So the two of us, this is day 11. This was yesterday, actually, like the timing. She she passes. She passed away tomorrow. Actually, this is our one year anniversary is tomorrow when she passed away. But this was, I guess, yesterday. And I'm so, you know, my mom, you know, (laughs) talk to me tomorrow and see how it is, because it hasn't you know, it doesn't quite hit yet. And so. The next day I get the email from my full sister and it has all the information that she has. And the first sentence is like, here's what, here's the information I have. And I'm like, well, you can't have any information because I have just spent two weeks getting to know her and you don't know her. So you're not going to tell me anything, but I'll entertain the email because you're my sister and this is crazy. So I start reading it. And the second sentence is, you know, my name is so-and-so I am your sister, but I'd also like to introduce you to your brother. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? And she's like, yeah, so I grew up in a home with our brother. And I'm like. Same dad? Same dad. Different dad. Different different dad. dad. Okay. Okay. Different dad. But they grew up thinking they were full um, because that's what she wrote on the birth certificate. So they found out that they're half, but it doesn't matter. You know, whatever. They grew up as brother and sister. And, um. And she's like, from what we know, you know, it's me. And then 17 months later is my full sister. 22 months later is my half brother. And I'm like reading this, like, I can't, I don't even understand. And then she's like, oh, and we've also connected with a fourth one that she gave up for adoption 20 months later after your half brother. And she's a girl. And I'm like, so there's four of us? And she's like, yeah, there's four of us. All in six years, you know, kind of like I had mine. I had all of mine in six years, the four. So she gave up four of us, each of us as infant um, adoptions. You know, she had a baby. She gave it up, had another one, gave it up. Why? So, Do you know why? I No, you've never no, found out why. No, because she she didn't tell anyone, you know. So I called up my brother, my half brother, who I love. And he comes to my house and he's part of my family. He's like my child now. He comes over and we just have a great time. And my kids think he's like a brother and he's so great. And so I called him for our normal 
5 to 7 p.m. conversation. You know, he was checking in and this is day 14 that she has been in hospice. No food, no water. I mean, she is just hanging on. And I have gotten to know the nurses too. And I love the nurses, you know, her caretakers. And I called, I said, how is she? She opened an eye today or, you know, and I'd, I'd check in medically on her because I needed to understand. And, and a nurse said to me yesterday, right? So when I had found my sister, she said, you know what? We all kind of thought she was waiting for you to come visit, but maybe she was waiting for you to find your sister. And, you know, then, you know, people kind of wait and then they go when they're ready to go. And so I called my brother and I said, you're not going to believe this. And he's like, joke, we got another sibling. And I'm like, let's just sit down for a minute and, you know, have a conversation. I said, why don't you go ahead and put me on speakerphone so we can talk to, you know, mama about this. Let's just have a conversation with her. And so I don't know where the phone was, but I envision it like on her chest, right? So she's in bed, she's, you know, asleep. And I envision it. I don't know why, but I envision him putting the phone like on her chest to tell her. And I told my brother, I just said, you know, we have found two more and we have, are all in contact and, you know, it's going to be okay. And, and now you have this big, beautiful family to be with you, you know, to my half brother. And cause his, his dad passed when he was young. And so he's now losing his mom. And I just said, you're not alone. You have all of us. It's going to be okay. And his mind is so blown. He can't even believe like what is happening. I remember the he was like, mom, you know, like, how could you have four bait? You know, he couldn't believe it. And so he went home that night and, um, I got a call the next morning, like at six in the morning from her partner. And I texted him and I was like, I guess you heard about all the siblings, you know, cause he didn't know. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, he didn't know. Like, he, she had never told mm-hmm. him. Oh, wow. No. Wow. And so he's calling me at 6 a.m. And, and I'm like, why are you? You must have found out. You must have talked to my brother. You must have found out. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I like took a deep breath and knew that she had gone. You know, mm-hmm. she we had let her know and, and she had gone. And, and sure enough, you know, he reported, you know, she passed away last night. And, you know, we had so. I think she was waiting. You know, I think that was kind of our send off and our okay that her son would be okay because she only raised one of us and, you know, he was her pride and joy. And now he has, you know, everyone has a different relationship. All of our siblings, we know each other at different levels, but he is the closest with me and I adore him. And so we'll take care of him. And, um, and that, you know, then she went. I've never heard a story like this in in my all of my 105 years of my entire life. It's just it's unreal. Thank God you're writing a book because um, working on it. Your story is just wow. I mean, I don't even know. I'm I'm rarely in my life speechless. I will tell you that and I am almost <laughs> to that point of being speechless. What um you know, what is that? So you're re- really close to the brother, your brother, um, your yeah. half brother. And then you obviously have s- relationships with the other siblings. Do they all kind of, and it's their own stories, I understand. Yeah. But do you, like, are you at the point now? Because you kind of have told me in recent months, you got to a point where you became, what was it, like angry or 
wanted to do? Like, what happened? Well, I think about two months ago, um, maybe three months now, when I kind of started writing the book and started an adoption Instagram page and just wanted to be more verbal about the story, um, you know, this sort of coming out of the fog phenomena where where an adoptee kind of says, like, am I the way I am because of adoption? You know, I had I had gone through the rat race of finding her and then she passed. And so me like trucking along, trying to find my roots, that was over. And a piece of me kind of died with her because I had always searched forever. And the, and now I've found her. And um, so now I need to kind of recover from from what from the death, you know, but and understand what caused me to find her and what caused me to knock down doors. And because my other siblings have different stories and I'm the only one that has a family so far. Um, one of them is married. One of them is engaged. Um, and one of them, I assume will be engaged very shortly because they're, they've been together a long time. And so, but there's something about having a child that kind of, I've always sort of been like mama hen, you know, like bring me my chicks, you know, even before children, you know, I just, I loved children and, and they haven't quite gotten there. So I don't think they're in the same place as far as what this meant to them. Um, I'm not exactly, I'm not exactly sure what kind of information they had about our mom before she passed, but the day before she passed, when we found everybody, I sent an email to my sister and I just said, like, I have to tell you something because if today's the day that I know you and you're also going to mark in your memory that I didn't tell you she was sick and, and then she passes and I'm the worst sister in the world because I didn't give you the chance to run up and see her because I had the chance to run up and see her and, and that didn't happen. You know, they're not in the same place as I was. They never wondered, they never ran, they never boulder, you know, through doors, like bashed through doors. Like they didn't do that. And so we all have, you know, our different stories and, and all of our relationships are different, but we're all fairly local. But I'm a, of the of the sense that, like, the more the merrier. Like, everyone needs to get together. And they all just have different lives. And so they're in different, I just keep they're trucking in along. different places. And everybody, places. like we talked yeah. about in the beginning's adoption story is different. People deal with yeah. it in different ways. What Do you right. mind, like, as we close? I, I'm, I'm not kidding when I tell you. I could do a four and a half long, a four and a half hour long podcast on this, but I'm afraid that my audience is like, I know, probably I know, like me I know it's like, taken a long time, but no, it's good. Everything's amazing. Like your story is so inspirational. I mean, I was like almost ugly crying, like half, half like I caught myself, like almost have a snot bubble and cry during like halfway through and it just continued and just I think you're such an inspiring person and like oh, your you. your Instagram now that I know the whole story I'm just like I want people to follow you my listeners to follow you on your Instagram oh. and if you know start a community keep doing what you're doing I like everything I say this all the time happens for a reason your story is like you know the way that you all found each other the way your mom passed like the abandonment, like you're a fighter, Mary, and you're supposed to be sharing your story, getting out there. And what is your Instagram? Please share it with my audience. Yes. It's, it's called because adoption. Okay. And, and that's, and, and it's, and what that, is, do you have a website yet or anything else? It's in Prague, you know, we're working on it. Okay. So 
The, you know, I like devote so much of my time to the writing because I have four kids and it's so few and far between when I can really sit down and write. So the website has just kind of taken a backseat. As soon as it's up, it'll be on that Instagram page. Um, and then, and you know, then do and your kid, do your, you homeschool your children, correct? I homeschooled them this year for the pandemic year. Yes. And so all of this kind of unfolded in front of them and we had to have some real conversations with them about what this means because I remember running up the stairs after reading that email from my sister and I knocked on my husband's door, you know, his office cause he's working from home and, and he opened the door. I'm like, Oh my God, I have a sister. Oh my God. Like what is happening? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, she gave up another baby. He's like, people do that. And I'm like, I guess so. I, I don't know. And I remember my kids being at the bottom of the stairs and they were like, you have a sister. And I'm like, Oh man, now I really, now, it's now like I have a, to now kind of it's explain like an this. additional layer. And then on top of that being in COVID, I mean, this is like yeah. literally like <laughs> a part two episode. I, I don't, I don't like, don't want this to end, but, um, I, oh, so I sweet. want my followers to follow you. I I'm going to be posting like in the future about like when your website comes out. Um, thank you, Mary please share your story. Please do what you're doing. Please. I love following your beautiful Instagram and seeing you with your kids. And like, I'm so jealous. You, you posted something the other day about this green wooden path and you were, you're such a, I can tell you're a beautiful writer just from your Instagram. I don't even know where commas go. I talk about it a lot, (laughs) Um, but I'm so grateful to you for coming on my show and sharing your story. And please um, audience listeners, please reach out to Mary. If you have questions about adoption or, you know, ways, if you do, if you are an adoptive parent or interested in becoming one ways to educate yourself, to be able to talk to your children about adoption and, she obviously has a wealth of knowledge and I, I thank you so much, Mary. And I am hoping if you guys like my show and can handle me for the hour that I do a show a week, (laughs) please like, and subscribe my, um, my podcast. And, um, I have a brand new website, judgingmegan.com that the incredible Danny, my producer, did for me. He's awesome. And I love him. And I love Liz that also works with me. And I am just so grateful to you guys. So thank you so much. And thank you, Mary. Keep living, keep praying and keep growing. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.